Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. Let me rush to thank our worship team for taking us to the very presence of God. Give God praise for that. Amen. Now, as you probably notice, I am not Pastor Thurman Williams. (laughs) Today, I am pinch hitting from Pastor as he recovers, Um, but he will be able to join us for uh, General Assembly, so I'm pinch hitting today. Um, I actually was secret when Pastor Steve sent me the text, like I did a a platitude thinking that he was going to go ahead and take it, but then he was like, Nah, it's a good idea that you do it because you're already prepared. <laughs> so he got me for the okie doke on that one. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thankful for being up here to be able to share God's word, word with you. Um, so if you, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 15, um, today is both Father's Day and June, Juneteenth. Um, and we're going to connect Juneteenth, Juneteenth with... Uh, the biblical record. Now, we're not saying that one and, they're one and the same, but we're going to connect the theme of Juneteenth with the scriptures. And so to do that, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 18, verses 21. And it reads as such. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk into the, in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They were down into the depths like a stone. Your, your right Sorry, let me reread that. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. And they, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you, you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Tremble seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till your people by whom you have purchased. You will bring them into, into, sorry, you will bring them in and plant them 
on your, mount, your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Uh, we can skip to the next slide. Um, at, picking up at verse 21, and Miriam sang to them, sing to the, to the Lord, for he has tri triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown in the sea. That's the word of the Lord, New City. Thanks be to God. I'm going to tag our exchange today, Israelite Juneteenth, a freedom song of Israel. Israelite Juneteenth, a freedom song of, of Israel. Let us pray. God, we thank you for being able to be in your house today, Lord. Um, it's a wonder that we're able to be in here. We pray that you just be with us and let us hear your word today. I pray that you let Anthony Johnson decrease and you increase, Lord, so your people may hear your word. And all God's people said, amen. On Freedom's Eve, or on the eve of January, or the eve of January 1st, 1863, the first watch night services took place. On that night, enslaved Africans and free African Americans gathered in churches and private homes all across the country awaiting news that the Emancipation Proclamation had taken effect. At the stroke of midnight, prayers were answered as all slaves, slave people in Confederate states were declared legally free. Union soldiers, many of whom were black, marched onto plantations and across cities in the South, reading small copies of the Emancipation Proclamation, spreading the, the news of freedom in Confederate states. So there were many plantations where enslaved Africans didn't know that they were free. Imagine working as a chattel slave though you were free, experiencing the toll, the lashes on your back, the emotion, emotional, physical, and spiritual abuse, and yet you were free. This is the situation many enslaved Africans found themselves in, in our country. For almost two years, they worked through work, though they were free. Then on June 19, 1865, Union soldiers arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas and declared freedom to the enslaved Africans. Over 250,000 slaves went free that day. Now when you get set free on, a scale, on that scale, the only appropriate thing to do is to celebrate. Amen? And many did just that. And they would celebrate annu annually, and they would, what they experienced on that June 19th, and they called it Jubilee Day, a reference to the year of Jubilee in Scripture. Eventually, over time, the day became known as Juneteenth. I believe that the reason the former enslaved Africans celebrated each year was because when you've been a slave for so long, you need to remember that you've been set free. While not all slaves were Christians, many knew their freedom came from God. Hear these words of the Negro National Anthem to remind former slaves not to forget God. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on, on the way, 
Thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. For a black Christian, Juneteenth is a reminder, just like the words in the Negro National Anthem, it's a reminder that my liberation as a black man and my ancestors' liberation came not from the United States government, not because of a political party, not because of anything that you can think of, but my liberation and the, my ancestors' liberations came from God. A lot of anti-black stuff exists and it's easy to disbelieve the, the holistic liberation that God brings. Like the Israelite slaves and the enslaved Africans, it's easy for us to disbelieve our own liberation. We must remember, saints, though, since we've been liberated, we must celebrate the God who liberates. Since we've been liberated, we must celebrate the God who liberates. So how do we celebrate the God who liberates? I have three points that I'm going to share with you today, and I won't name them now, so you just got to listen in close. <laughs> so my first point today is since we've been liberated, we must celebrate his power. The Israelite Israelites celebrate God's power by singing a song to God. How do, we knew, how do we know this? We know they sing to him because verse 1 tells us that they sing a song to Yahweh, which is translated the, the Lord in our, in our text. Now, Yahweh is God's covenant name that he gave them in Exodus chapter 6. That's God, God's covenant name was basically saying, I'm with you, I'm down for you, and I'm going to give you my name to let you know that I'm that, that connected to you. God's name Yahweh, to show his connection with his people, shows up over 10 times in this passage. So that shows, and when you guys know this, and if you, all my Bible scholars know this, when scripture repeats something, that's God saying, hey, you over there with the long hair. You need to remember this. I really want you to get this. So God is trying to get us to get that he cares about his people and he's committed to them. The, then the text says, then Moses and the people of God sang this song to the Lord. So I just, I told you and I showed you. Also in the same verse, they celebrate God's power by telling of his triumph. God just didn't triumph, he triumphed greatly. In the original Hebrew, they emphasized this triumph by repeating the word. So the way that it would sound if I just put it up there and like un, let me put it like this, in a literal form, they, the translators make decisions so we can better understand the text. So they're not trying to hide anything. They just know that us as humans, you, we need help. And so they, they give God's word to us in a way that we can understand, just like pastors do when they preach. So, but the way it would literally sound, it, it would sound like God, triumph, triumph. And we don't still do that today, do we? You know we do. <laughs> we still talk like that today to emphasize something. If, hey, if something ain't going to work out, you know, I've heard it. I heard some of y'all say, hey, man, that's dead, dead right there. See, we still do that. And the, same, the Hebrews did the same thing to emphasize that. So they did that and said that God triumphed, triumph, triumph. And the way it's translated, it reads like this. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. This liberation was God's triumph, not Israel. Israel did not triumph in power, but it was God that triumphed in power. 
We also see a celebration of God's power in verse 2. They sing that the Lord is their strength. That means that God is their source of power in their, their protection. Imagine the strongest person you can think of with muscles protruding everywhere. Imagine Debo if he was a good guy. <laughs> Just saying. Imagine Debo if he, he's a good guy. You want Debo on your side. And what Moses and them is saying is, hey, we got good Debo on our side. And so how they say that, here it is in verse 2. They say it like, the Lord is my strength in my song. The Lord is my Debo. There it is. In verse 3, Moses and the people talk about the power of God in terms of him being a man of war. Now, I hate, I don't want to be Captain Obvious, but I got to be Captain Obvious. I know that we sometimes can have a sanitized view of scripture and we kind of like kind of dress some things up. When it says that God is a man of, of war, this ain't like, like, it's a figurative speech, but it's actually telling the truth. Okay? God is a warrior. God is a soldier. And it says that, imagine the, the most all that soldier you can think of. In all the boxes of, of him being a great soldier, you get check marks in. Grit, check. Combat skills, check. Putting life on the line, check. Defending, check. He has, this is my imagination, so you can bear with me. He has the finest armor that you've ever seen. It's hard as steel, and it's, and it's light as a feather, and it glistens. In the, in the sunlight. I like shiny things. Don't hate me. <laughs> you would want a soldier that's all that on your side. We want that, saints. True. And what Israel is saying is, in verse 3 is, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. We also see God's power in this song in verses 6 through 7. It's God's right hand moving in power that crushes the oppressors like a hammer striking porcelain. Here it is in verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, Lord, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Verse 7 further shows God's power and not Israel's power to save. It points to God's majesty. Imagine God in a regal robe and people carrying the train of his robe, and he's spitting fire, and it consumes all the people that was attacking him or his people. This is what Moses and them is saying in verse 7 when they say, in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow, overthrow your adversaries and send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. In verse 8, Moses and the people continue their bragging on God's power. Just a blast of his nostrils made the water stand up. They stood, at, they stood attention just like this when the king said, you better stand up. And it was so, God did it so amazing with just a blast of his nostrils. The scriptures say that even the deepest part of the Red Sea had to stand up in attention when God said, you better stand up. Here it is in verse 8. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. In verses 11 through 12, Moses and the people continue their celebration of God's power by telling God there's no comparison among you amongst the gods. His holiness is so awesome just to see him in the perfection of his character and beauty. The only thing that you can say, only thing we can say is there ain't nobody like God. Here it is in verse 11 through 9. I mean, 11 through 12. I don't even know how you do that, 11 through 9. But um, verses 11 through 12. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretch out your right hand to earth 
swallowed them. It takes power to do that, all, uh, saints, and God has that power. In verse 18, the song recognized that God will reign like a king in what? Power. How, now you say, Pastor, how did you get, get there? Let's, let's break it down a little bit. Kings sit on their throne, and if they reign forever, how do they do that? Because everybody wants to be a king. And so if you're a king and you're going to keep your throne, you better have some, you better have some um, goons on deck to keep that throne, right? So you're going to have some power to keep that throne. And what Moses is saying is the Lord will reign forever and ever. There's a lot of folks playing the game of thrones, but let me tell you something. God don't play no game of thrones because he is the throne. Moses and the people celebrate that power. There was a, a, there was a song called The Power performed by a German group called Snap. Um, and you may not know the name of it, but I'm going to, please forgive me, um, I'm going to sing a little bit of the hook and you know exactly what I'm talking about. In the song, MC Turbo B lays out his, his, great, his greatness at the art of rap. The hook reminds of his, of his greatness by reminding us of his power. So Penny Ford sings in the hook, I got the power. Now, now y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I told you. I told you. Stick with me. I'm going to bless you. <laughs> In the first verse of the song, you hear about his power when the MC says, like, the crack of the whip, I snap attack front to back in this thing called rap. Dig it like a symbol, rhyme devil on a heavenly level. Now, if you rhyming on a heavenly level, that means that you think you have power. MC Turbo is, is merely talking about his power and lyrical prowess. Moses and the people of Israel recognized God's power on a cosmic level and God liberating them from Egypt. Where are the places you need to celebrate God's power in your life today, saints? Maybe this pandemic has you believing that God ain't got nothing to do with this world. Maybe it's the political polarization we see in our society and maybe you even see that polarization in the church. Maybe it's the rising prices of not just gas, everything. I don't say, I know it's supposed to be thing, but it's so bad out there, it's thing today. <laughs> and maybe you're here today and you feel weak in your life circumstances and you're begging God just for a little hope to make it, not even just to the day, just another hour. It may sound counterintuitive, but we must learn to celebrate God's power in every one of those spaces. It's actually the pattern of scripture. We, when you look at the Psalms, they usually start off with horrible circumstances. <laughs> I mean, David is like the Drake of the Old Testament. That brother got so many problems with so many people. <laughs> but he always celebrates God's power for him to meet him in every one of those spaces. And what this calls us to is, I know it's counterintuitive, but maybe the next time we face some circumstances, maybe we start to give God praise for his power. Because what the praise does is, it changes our perspective to say, God, I ain't got the power to get through all the mess that I'm looking at, but you do, and God will carry you. He indeed truly has the power. Now that we understand how to celebrate his power, we must celebrate his acts of liberation. 
Since we've been liberated, we must celebrate his acts of liberation. The first part, going back to verse 1, it opens up with the den. That's a very important den because that den refers back to the liberation that God had accomplished for his people. Israel had just seen God liberate them by making a pathway in the Red Sea and seeing Pharaoh and his best man drown in the sea. Israel had been in slavery for 400 years. This act was the final guarantee that their slavery had ended. We know that this song celebrates that liberation because we also see in verse 1, it says this, For he has triumphed glorious, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The horse and the rider refers to the Egyptian army and Pharaoh chasing Israel. After Israel had left Egypt, Pharaoh gathered his best men and tried to chase Israel down. In order to chase them down, you know what he had to do? Get some horses. <laughs> He had to get some riders and he had to get some horses to go chase them down because there was no cars back in those days. In verse 4 shows us this. It says, Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea and his chosen offers were sunk in the sea. In verse 5, it says that the way that they sunk was like stones. The image of stones suggests that it was a com it, their threat was completely neutralized. If you allow me to be Captain Ivory, one more time. If you throw a stone in water, what tends to happen? Not even 10. What happens when you throw a stone in water? It sinks. It don't even try to flow. It just goes down to the bottom. <laughs> and so what, what the people are saying is when God moved in their situation, the threat was so neutralized that they saw Pharaoh in them. When they heard the thunderous water come back over them, they sunk like stones. They didn't even have to worry about the threat anymore. Here it is in verse 5. The, the floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. In verse 9, we see why that threat needs to be neutralized. Listen to the heart of Pharaoh. and Well, not listen, but I want to point out what his heart was. He wasn't chasing them down to say to have a good time and catch up and reminisce on like the past happiness that they had. Homeboy was chasing them down because he wanted to kill them. Here... He, he says stuff like, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide, my desire shall have feel, I, will draw, I draw my sword, my hand shall destroy. And even with all that malice in his heart and destruction in his heart, all God had to do was blow and he was finished. And he sunk just like lead into the Red Sea. Now, allow me to be Captain Obvious one more time. Well, maybe a few more times. If you throw lead in the water... What does it do? You can talk back to me. What does it do? It sinks. So the scripture, again, is saying that God so neutralized the threat that it was just the Pharaoh and his army sunk just like lead. Here it is in, ver here it is in verses 9 through 10. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. God liberated Israel in the face of Pharaoh's threat. And Moses and, his, and the people celebrate God's liberation of his people. In a classic musical, The Wiz, Come on now, y'all know y'all know y'all love the Wiz. Don't be in here acting acting shy. <laughs> in the classic musical, The Wiz, 
that stars Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, and Richard Pryor, and other talented black performers, the heroes of the story had to face the evil queen, Eveline. If her name wasn't convincing, convincing enough, she was the wicked witch of the West. Eveline was a terrible ruler of her Western lands. She was the only one that flourished under her rule. I mean, Sis was so evil, she didn't even let people bring bad news in her court. She made a whole song about, don't nobody bring me bad news, because if you bring me bad news, you over with. That's how bad things was in Eveline's empire. When Dorothy Scarecrow and Lion and the Tin Man defeated her, they celebrate the freedom in her kingdom. The song they sung was called A Brand New Day. The, and I will not try to hit that high note. That thing is up there. <laughs> the chorus repeated, can you feel a brand new day? It was a new day because the kingdom had been liberated. In the same way, Moses and the people celebrated their brand new day with this song that we have here in this text. They celebrated God's act of liberation. Maybe you know someone who's walked away from the faith because they don't believe the Bible has anything to do with disrupting systems of injustice. God don't really care about the marginalized because his church seems to ignore the marginalized. Here in this passage, you see that the God of the Bible, of the Bible is a God who takes on the cause of the marginalized. He liberates oppressed people and he disrupts a system of injustice. Now, back in the day, a king was a system. I know we don't like kings in our country. I mean, we fought a whole war to get rid of the king. <laughs> but back in, these, back in these parts, the king was the final say. Here we see in, this, in the text that God disrupts the system by taking out the Egyptian king, Pharaoh. If I could offer you a suggestion as you communicate with those that may have walked with the faith, Maybe you could point out that maybe the reason they care for the marginalized so much is that we're made in the image of God and parts of his character is in our heart. Rationally speaking, if you really just look at the world, there ain't really not a whole lot of reason to care about anybody else but ourselves. I'm just, I'm just saying. It makes perfect sense to look after our own interests. The only way that we ex explain caring for other folks especially those on the marginalized. Those of us, a lot of us in here works with those on the marginalized and know it's no picnic. <laughs> like it's, it's hard work. The only way you keep doing that is because God has imprinted it in his creation, in our hearts. That's the only way we get there. Whether you're, whether you're, whether you're in faith or out of faith, the only way that we get there is that God has imprinted his creational, his creational longings in our heart. So you could ask your friend, your sister, your brother, could they be open to the idea that maybe God does care about disrupting systems of injustice? And you can point out something else. In this passage, it's people on the margins who celebrate God as their liberator. It's not a principle of caring for the marginalized, listening to the marginalized, tell their truth, in their own voice, even if we disagree. These are non-white voices that celebrate a God who is a liberator. Would it be a stretch to say that the God that they celebrate might have some merit? 
would not ignore the marginalized people's reflection on God being in effect silencing their voice. I come from a marginalized community and we celebrate God as our liberator. I never have been in a church where we have not celebrated God as our liberator. So please don't erase our story in an effort to fight for the marginalized and miss how God already does it in scripture. Now that we have celebrated God's power and his act of liberation, let us celebrate his pursuit of, our, of flourishing. In the next part of the verse, verse 13 shows that God does just not liberate Israel and leave them. Complete liberation means pursuing their flourishing. Steadfast love in this, is the trans, is, in this translation is the Hebrew word kesed. Kesed is a covenant love. It means God will stay faithful and lead his people in a love that will not forsake them, and it pursues their good. If God does not forsake them, then it means that the liberation from slavery was just the beginning of the story. We know this fact because in the next part of the verse, God guides them to his holy abode. Can I put something before you? If you're going to go to God's house and that's where you're going to live, it's probably going to go well for you. Y'all with me? It's going to go well. You go, if you go to live where God lives and you're going to be there too, things are going to work out, right? <laughs> things are going to go well. You're going to, you're going to flourish. Matt, let me, let me show you. In the Old Testament, there was a person, they didn't even have like, they didn't even have like God like, a, like right there before them. They just had God's ark and their house flourished just by being a little bit close to God. Can you imagine if you're like right where God lives? Things are going to go well. <laughs> and this is what God does for Israel. You have led your, your, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you've redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. As the nations hear about God's work for his people in liberating and pursuing their flourishing, they get scared, they get melted up. Bruz was over there like quaking in their boots. They done melted, all of that. It's just a bad thing when they hear about that. Here it is in verse 14 through 16. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone till your people, O God, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. In, in verses 17, we see God's further commitment to pursue his people's flourishing because God goes and plants them. Let me put another idea in your head. If you plant something, you intend for it to what? Grow. So if God is planting his people, he's intending for them to grow. Again, then the passage goes on to say that God plants them in his holy abode. If you get planted in God's holy abode, you're probably not just going to grow, you're probably going to flourish. <laughs> so God, so here it is in verse 17. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, your, which your hands have established. God's liberation always includes Israel's flourishing. One of the things that we have committed ourselves to at West End is for the working of the flourishing of, 
African-American brothers and sisters. We focus on that flourishing. But one of the things maybe we should say more, more clearly is we focus on African-American um, flourishing because we're in a neighborhood that's 70% black, but focusing on African-American flourishing doesn't mean we ignore the flourishing of others. We want to focus on the flourishing of all those that have been impacted by unjust systems. Amen, church? Because it's, it's not just enough to get people out of slavery. It's not just enough to stop people from living under Jim Crow. It's not just enough to make it so we can go to the same schools together. It's not just enough to make it so that we don't get killed by overt racism, though we know that we still struggle with that. God has a higher standard for his people, which is to pursue the flourishing of all members of our society. And our particular focus at West End is that we're gonna focus on black flourishing because it's where God has us. Um, amen, church? And moreover, since we're good Presbyterians, <laughs> let me give you some Westminster Confession. <laughs> Let's go larger catechism, answer 141. It says concerning the flourishing of our brothers and sisters that we should seek by all just and lawful means to procure, preserve, and further the wealth of an outward estate of others as well as our own. Our scriptures and our doctrine push us to work for the flourishing of our African-American neighbors and in all our neighbors who've been impacted by injustice. Now that we have celebrated God's power, we have celebrated God's act of liberation, and we have celebrated how he pursues flourishing for all, we are left with a problem. You know, Israel still ended up back in slavery and under oppression. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> Does that mean that we'll end up back in slavery and oppression? Why should I celebrate? Can I tell you a little story about a man named Jesus? Jesus accomplishes a greater liberation that all people can look forward to seeing. He liberates his people from the real Egypt and the real Pharaoh that can take them out. You see, J Jesus liberates his people from sin and death. You see, we were trapped by sin and death on chariots, and, and they were, sin and death was on chariots and horses, and they was on our back trying to take, take us down and to take us out. We had a red sea of despair in front of us. Like Israel, we faced the red sea, and if God didn't step in, we would have been destroyed. But I'm so happy today, saints, that Jesus parted the sea and made a way in the middle of a sea of despair. You see, he went to an old rugged cross. They put nails in his hand. They put nails in his wrist. They put nails in his side. They put nails in his feet. Then he said it was finished. He said that sickness was finished. He said hope, lack of hope was finished. He said our slavery was finished. <laughs> he took a tomb and he laid in it for one day. He laid in it another day. But what my Bible tells me that on the third day, early, come on, come on, I'm by myself. On the third day, early, he got up again. Jesus made a way in the sea. 
it's real. <laughs> they went to a desert, but my Jesus made a way in the sea. That's a pathway to a new Jerusalem. My Bible tells me there's no more crying there. There's no more sickness there. There's no more dying there. There's no more racism there. They ain't gonna mistreat me there. They ain't gonna put me out there. So if you, if you ready to praise the Lord, get on your feet, join Miriam, join Moses, join the people of God and give God praise because he made a way in the sea. Thanks for listening and God bless.